This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to episode 285 of Get Paid for Your Pad, coming to you from Puerto Rico, where I just finished up uh, the SCR Legends Live event together with my buddy Eric D. Muller, who's sitting right next to me. And we also have Erica Beers and Rebecca Slivka from Pillow and Coffee. <laughs> and they uh, run a pretty book operations with uh, over uh, 100 units. So we're going to be talking about uh, what we learned from this event. I think we all have a, a lot of learning lessons. Uh, it was really an incredible event. We had uh, about 25 people here in Puerto Rico, operators from all over the world, five continents, 10 countries, combined listings over a thousand. So um, it, was, it was great. But let's introduce everybody. Of course, Eric. Yo, everybody yo. Knows Eric. What's up, guys? How's it going, Eric? Good. good. Thank you for uh, putting this on. Yeah, for sure. It's man. our fourth podcast. I think it's either the third or the fourth. I, I one of those. One of those. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, it was an incredible weekend. We uh, had such a good time. Had some incredible people fly out, and uh, yeah, this is a good way to end it. Awesome. So let's just do a roundtable and you know bring up some of the learning lessons, some of the takeaways. So we'll, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so I think one of the the major learning lessons for me. I just thought it was awesome. Like we we had so many operators from all around the world, from you know all over the states, Canada, DR, Kenya, India, Australia, literally everywhere, and everyone of all different sizes, from twenty five units to two hundred and fifty units. And regardless of where they were in the world, they were still having the same challenges, but then also the same type of success uh, using similar tools, all of that. And uh, I just thought it was incredible that we can get everybody into a room together down in Puerto Rico and connect on a level, you know, just the same type of interest within the industry, you know, and right. everyone immediately just opened up and started sharing and, and helping with other and trying to figure out how to work with each other and do business together and uh yeah it was awesome it was awesome i'm just truly grateful for the event well i just learned that everyone is uh regardless of where you are in the world if we're in this industry the short-term rental industry we're all going to have the same types of challenges and just by connecting with somebody in the industry the solutions are out there you know, so I think a lot of times people starting this, these businesses, especially like the, the master lease model or the property management model, we feel kind of alone in our community, especially if you have like 100 units, right? Or 50 units. It seems like you're the only person in your community that is at that level and you can't really go to somebody for help. But uh, there are people in our industry that are willing to connect and, and share and learn and, and try to work together. So awesome. it was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll go to Erica. Erica, could you introduce um, yourself and, and your company, Coffee and Pillow? Pillow and Coffee. Pillow Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Erica Beers. I've been in the short-term rental industry with Rebecca for four years now, four and a half years. So we started in 2015 and it's had a lot of its own challenges. But the coolest thing about 
this event was the quality of operators that were there. A lot of these events we go to were the big fish and we don't even feel like we're that large. And we know that we could take this so much further. So the conversations haven't been at the same level that we got this weekend. So it was incredible to speak with larger operators and kind of take their ideas and processes and see how we can add to what we've been doing. And I, I think the cool thing was like everybody brought value um, and everybody was able to take value. And that's, that's very unique in this space, just because there are so many other people that are just getting started or still trying to figure it out. And it is a much smaller community. So finding another operator of scale in your city isn't always easy. So thank you for bringing everybody together for this. It was, again, an incredible experience. Pill and Coffee will grow from that. Our education arm, uh, the Airbnb girls will grow from that. So uh, we're just excited to put a lot of these things to work now and be able to like give more value to the rest of the community. Yeah, this is Rebecca Slifka with Pillow and Coffee as well. And just to kind of add on to that, the conversations that we had like on the couch or like in, in the kitchen or whatever, things like that that were happening were much deeper and way more comfortable to share. Like whenever you go to like a conference and different summits, it's it's fine and it's great. You get a lot of education from the presenter. However, in this situation, it was like you you learned about everybody else's business and how it was different from yours, even though it's in the same industry. Mm-hmm. And then you can like connect with people one-on-one or most of the time it was like one-on-one and then became like a little group huddle and we're all learning from each other and inputting and even making the conversation stronger and deeper. So that aspect of it, I don't feel really comes about in other conferences. And if it does, it's usually for like, oh, these people just met up for dinner. And then it's like, that's the end of it. Whereas here it was like, oh, you're thinking about something, you got introduced to something new, a new concept. And you, you you know, you have to take some time to kind of digest that information. And then, oh, they're there the next day or in a few hours, you can go back to that person and be like, hey, you know, we were talking about this and I was thinking about it. And what do you think about this new way of doing it? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like improving Like, I know we're like meeting up with a lot of other people outside of the event even and saying like, hey, like, let's improve our current guest experience. Let's work together and say, okay, what are you doing? I'll show you what we're doing and how can we make it even better for the guest, for their operations, for your your virtual assistants, for your employees, things like that. So I think that was very different in, in like the experience of being together in the same room physically not just online, not just for a short amount of time, just to listen to a speaker, but to learn from each other was a massive, massive takeaway. So thank you for that. So Rebecca, could you, because you guys run a a pretty sizable operation, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're doing master leasing. Now I think there's a lot of listeners that, you know, have maybe one unit, two units, maybe five units, and they are thinking about how can we expand, how can we grow? Could you share some advice for smaller operators? Like how can they find new clients? How can they find new, or how can they find new landlords that are willing to rent their apartments to them so they can rent it out short term? And some advice on as you're growing, like what changes and what are the things you have to have in place in order to be able to grow? Okay, sure. So the first thing, if you're looking to to kind of do the master lease model, which is what we do, and it's, it's all about building relationships. So building relationships with the landlord 
And I mean, you got to kind of get out there and call around or look for different listings first that you think will make sense. And then actually going to meet with the landlord and having a conversation. What we do and what has been really successful for us is to meet with owner operators. What I mean by that is this is an owner that owns um, multiple buildings. It's not just one. They own multiple apartment buildings or houses or whatnot um, in the area where you want to grow. And then they usually are running it with their family or a very small office on their own. They haven't outsourced their property management. So they're doing that in-house. So for us coming in, we're able to solve some of those problems that they have. Because we're operators, we can take off some of the things from their day-to-day kind of activity. So we kind of help with the pain point that they have. And then having that conversation, I mean, you may get a lot of no's because people don't understand it, but the second that you get a yes, and then you can show it to the next owner and like and now have a referral because you're going to do an excellent job. You can then say, oh, this is what I do for this owner. I rent it so they get steady income. I take all the risk. You know what I mean? Like, or if there's any small maintenance, we do things like that. We don't turn that back onto the owner. So we do those things. And that's why our owners love us and continue to work with us and provide us more, with more opportunity to work with them on a larger scale as well. So that's something that I would suggest doing is really building that relationship with that person so that they, and tell them what you're doing, like tell them you're the kind of people that will be coming to, to the properties and things like that, like who your guest avatar is in essence, thinking that through. But as you're doing this, another thing to consider is because the cost is going to be on you, the, the risk is you as the operator, you want to consider how much it is. So how much is it for rent? Can you negotiate like, hey, if I take this over, can you give me two weeks so that you might have time to set it up? Because at this point, we can set up our units within a couple of days. However, when you're first starting, that is not the case. When the clock is ticking, that's something where it's actually your expense, not the owner's because of the master lease concept. So doing that and kind of negotiating the contract a little bit differently than you normally would, like I said, to maybe add the extra two weeks or we've done things where the first three months we say, you know what, why don't we pay this reduced rent and then we'll pay this rent afterwards after that three months. And that just kind of gives us a little bit of time to understand that property intimately so that we can hit the ground running and not be losing or anything like that right away. So there's little things like that. I mean, it's at this point, you're no longer landlord renter. You're both business people. So it's a different, mm-hmm. now you can negotiate the lease, which maybe you didn't think you could before. Like, so when you approach it in that kind of concept, it gives you a lot more flexibility in how you think about the business. Yeah, because I imagine, you know, I just rented a, a unit in uh, Barcelona. In Barcelona, the regulations are very tight, so I'm not going to rent it out, but I'm going to live there myself. But it's three months rent in advance and then like a one month deposit. That's quite an investment. So imagine if you're trying to grow and for every unit that you rent, you have to pay all that money up front. Then you probably have to furnish. You have to. You might have to do some painting or some other stuff mm-hmm. um, that it's a significant investment. So what I'm hearing is that you're, you're able to reduce that initial investment by negotiating with the landlord by framing yourself, framing you and, and the landlord, not as landlord renter, but as you know, business partners on where you're on the equal level. 
Right. Um, so that's that's really awesome. That's really awesome. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I'm actually, I have a question for you guys. I'm curious if you have a certain formula, a certain type of property that you look at, and then a certain type of formula that you go through with those properties to make sure it's a good lease for you. Yeah, I think that'd be cool for you guys to touch on. So we're very familiar with our area now, so it's a lot easier to make those decisions. But in the early stages, we used the, the different marketing channels to analyze the competitors. And we would do like a thorough deep dive. There's great tools right now, like AirDNA, that you can mm-hmm. use as a resource to understand your market. I would just always say, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. You don't want to over leverage yourself and, and bet too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for us in the master lease model, our goal is to make it at least 800 to $1,000 per month per unit in profit. Then it's worth it for us because mm-hmm. we have a team that we need to support. And we want to make sure that if there's any seasonality trends or other hiccups that annualized, the property is still going to make sense. Mm-hmm. So we do that simply by looking at the market, looking at what the average daily rates are in that area for a property type. One of the things that we do is we don't, we actually prefer smaller square footage units. And the reason we prefer smaller square footage units is that in the traditional rental market space, you're paying by the square foot. And in the short-term rental market space, especially on a lot of of the marketing channels out there, square footage isn't even a factor that you can speak to. Mm -hmm. And people aren't as concerned because they're not staying there for very long. And they're also used to the hotel space where it's like you might have a 170 square foot room that you're living in. So that's one area where we found a lot of value is to just go for smaller square footage spaces. But you just need to take into account all of your expenses. So, I mean, we watch our bottom line really hard. We try to automate as much as we possibly can. We try to use different systems and, and resources and to just make sure that we do continue to stay profitable. Mm-hmm. So figure out your ADRs, you know, assess whether there's additional insurances you need to provide you know, what other amenities you want to provide, like if there's cable you want to provide or, you know, what your internet service is going to cost and really like map out all of those expenses. Try to get an idea of what you can make seasonally because there's a lot of areas that might have a harder time in the in the winter and a great time in the summer or even vice versa. And you really just want to make sure that you can maximize your income for those peak seasons to, to mitigate your risk in the low season. There are softwares we use, like for example, we've used Airbnb to figure out what our pricing could be. There's like a price thing where you can just put in like, if you're searching a certain area, let's say your property that you're looking to rent is in a certain area, you can kind of zoom into that area. And then Airbnb, you could actually see what the average rental rate is. Mm -hmm. And then you could kind of dive down deeper into like, if it was only a one bedroom or if it only had two beds in it, what does that look like? And then you'll be able to see what is currently on the market and what rates they're already charging. And then you can start to even look at the photos. Does it look similar to what you would do? You know, so a lot of times to kind of add on to what Erica was saying, it's not price per square foot. It's really how unique you can make the space, mm-hmm. the design of it, what amenities you have. And for us, the kind of buildings that we get into are smaller buildings. They're more of like, below 20 units like it might be like a 10 unit building or something like that that's kind of where our bread and butter is in these smaller buildings that we can again add a lot of value to our our owners and then add a lot of value to our guests as well because we kind of we're in more of a median range and as far as pricing we're not high in luxury so yeah that's kind of 
to think about building types, that's where we are. But that also goes back to what your customer avatar. So what is your guest avatar? Who do you want to be staying in your units? And like, we didn't want to serve high-end clients like that. We wanted kind of people that were like us when we traveled. That's kind of the easiest avatar usually because you understand yourself. So I would challenge everybody, especially when they're starting off, to like when you have more clarity on what kind of guests you want to serve, the design of the unit comes easier, the type of unit comes easier, the square footage comes easier. Because for example, like we don't want to host anybody that has parties and things like that. We don't host large groups, but there are places that there are other people that would love to host like bachelor parties and things like that. And guess what? If you decide that you love to host bachelorette parties, for example, you can't have a one bedroom and your design for it is going to be a lot different in comparison. You might need a six bedroom house or four bedroom house. So when you get more clarity on what type of guest or customer you want to serve, then like the design is so much easier and just like the properties you choose, the owners you choose to work with, it's just so much easier. So another thing to keep in consideration is taking the time to analyze your marketplace or the marketplace you want to be in to figure out what the needs are. One of the reasons I think that short-term rentals have been so successful is now you have the ability to have rental locations and shorter stays in areas that were never available before. So we've found, you know, we've found a lot of success around underserved hospitals that get a lot of traffic and, and there's only two hotels nearby, things like that. You know, maybe there's you know, a sports facility that currently doesn't have any hotel stay around it or something. There's these areas where the market wants it and it's just not there yet for them. So I'd like to give another example of like Vegas. Vegas is a market that we're not involved in and it's not a market that we're interested in being involved. And the reason for that is like, if you look at Las Vegas, yes, tons and tons of travelers are there constantly all the time. Hotels make so much more money in Vegas off of all of the other things that their customers are spending on, not their room rate. Mm. That's not where they're making their money. So that's why you can get a hotel room in Vegas for $20 a night, $30 a night, like in a nice hotel. Like it's like they, they can play with those rates as much as possible because mm. they just need people in the hotel spending money on everything else. So that would be a really hard marketplace to compete with that. But if you were interested in doing bachelorette parties, large houses, something to that effect, that's not something that's available on the strip. Or you're talking really premium, expensive penthouses. That's your competition. So when you can find those little niches in your marketplace where there's the need and the demand and it doesn't currently exist, that's where you're going to find a lot of success. Hmm. So this is what I absolutely love about this past weekend's event, the mastermind, is when everybody in that room knew their niche and their numbers for their business. And that's what that's what I realized like separated Pillow and Coffee from just the average host that's out there. I think a lot of times people, when they have a, a few uh, listings, they think to grow, all they need is listings, right? Let's just get more and more and more and more listings. And they'll take on pretty much any type of property. But you guys have nailed down what works for you in your market for your, your guest avatar, all of that. And it's like Anton, I believe it was Anton that was talking about his properties. He, he has 100 plus properties and he's narrowed down his numbers to the point that he knows that a 800 square foot unit, two bedroom property in his marketplace will outperform any other property 
that he has. So now what he, he's looking at his listings and he's narrowing down the 20% that is not operating to his standards and is just getting rid of them versus the average type of host that wants to grow is just thinking, we just need more units, right? So that was a major takeaway. It's like, we have to know our business, we have to know our marketplace, but we have to know the numbers too and what's actually working. And just because we're getting more properties doesn't mean we're making more money in our company, right? So I thought that was awesome. That, that, you know, congrats to you guys for really narrowing that down. And I think that's why, uh, you're so successful at what you're doing. But then also all the, all the operators that were in this room this past weekend was just, you know, everybody knew their numbers. Everybody knew their marketplace. Everyone was, of course, they want more listings, but they want more listings of what fits for their business model, not just signing contract deals, management deals or leases on anything that they can put on Airbnb or booking.com. Awesome. Thank you for uh, sharing all that. One question I have is, do you, because you said you can can add a a new listing to your portfolio within a couple of days. I imagine that unit already is furnished and you don't really have to do much for it, right? No. So for us, we're able to do that because of the systems we built. So actually, no, they're empty apartments that we take on. So we have a team. So we work with a designer and they go in, they see the property when we see the property with the owner so that they can have an idea of what it looks like. And then they get to work. Like that's not where my strength is, is not in design and in being creative like that. So they can see, like we have kind of the things that we always put in our units, like our mattress is exactly the same. We only use queen size beds because of just the ease of operations. Um, so we have things like that, that we always use, like our coffee makers are always the same, like certain appliances, our TV is always like the Roku TV because of our system. So our designer knows that. And when they go in, they know what they need to look for and what they need to buy already to fit within our brand. And each of our spaces is unique. No two units look the same. But yeah, it's empty. They go in and purchase the furniture, um, purchase all the decor design, have a team that's going to paint if they need to paint. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of things that are already figured out. It's almost like a checklist of, okay, this process is done. This process is done. And they have that with our team as well. So while our designer is designing the unit and doing, you know, getting her job done there with the physical property, we also have our onboarding steps for the property all listed out and we have our team working on those. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to do as far as setting up the unit in whatever booking softwares you're using, adding the units to whatever tools and that you already have built out, you know, like if you're using other pricing softwares, things like that, you shouldn't be waiting until the unit is already set up and you have the pictures to start all these other things. So we've got all of that done. By the time the unit's ready, we get our photographer in there, photos are done, photos go to the unit and it's live and it's renting. You don't have to have photos to start renting that unit. So if we already know like it's going to be completed on this date, we can start renting it that day by just putting up a photo that shows an idea of what the place is going to look like or the floor plan laid out just so it can already have that listing on there getting seasoning and that way we're ready to move uh, as quickly as possible yeah and also things like setting up utilities like right away the internet right away like all that is scheduled so there's a lot of different like i guess teams that are working on it yes we have the designer then we have the it part of it then we have our onboarding into the channels like all of these things kind of work together and just get done as long as you have the system and the 
yeah, basically the system to get it done. And, and as you're doing it, like as a new host, like you'll go through it and you'll, you'll learn it on the way. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll be doing it and just write it down. Like each thing, each step you do, just write it down. That way, the second time you do it is going to be that much easier. Or if you already have a listing and you're, you've already set up or whatnot, then just think back of what that was like and write those steps down and organize it better. Think about, okay, how could I have done this better? And even reach out to like other operators, other hosts, like, and kind of go to different meetups. Like I really recommend doing that just because like what we had here at the live event, it was like, you can like refine your systems, even if they're small or big, whatever size they're at, you can always improve that. And I think like working with other people and different ideas is helpful as well. So like three of us kind of live in the world of short-term rental and scale. And I know you focus more on the lifestyle side of what short-term rentals can bring. I'm really curious to to get your feedback on being surrounded by 16, 17, 18 different operators that are running in scale. What, what were your takeaways or what did you learn from, from this process? Very good question. Uh, well, first of all, I'm, I'm just really inspired. One of the reasons why I haven't really looked at expanding my own business is also because I've been traveling around. But now I live in Barcelona, and over the last couple of days, I've been thinking, you know what, Barcelona is very restricted, but I know there's lots of really cool spots around Barcelona. There's mountains, there's a, there's a beach. I've recently been cycling a lot, so I've seen a lot of the surroundings. There's beautiful wine yards and, and all kind of stuff. So now I'm, I'm actually thinking, as soon as I get back to Barcelona, I'm going to go around and see if I can find some really cool properties mm. and, you know, talk to the owner and, or, you know, like maybe look on, um, look on some rental sites to see if there's, if there's any properties that have been empty for a long time where, you know, the landlord is, might be kind of desperate to find some sort of solution for it and see if I can build a similar type of business. So first, first of all, it's just the inspiration. Mm. Secondly, it's just the professionalism and all the systems that you guys have in place. It seems so like so well structured everything. My life is a bit of a chaos normally. <laughs> and so when I hear you guys talk about all these like Rebecca, you were saying you have like three hundred instruction videos for your VAs, right? And I'm just like, wow, like you know, just for for hiring VAs, there's this whole educational <laughs> content, a platform almost for for educating them. And you know, some of the other operators are talking about just all the, the well, the onboarding process that you were talking about. And it seems like for every every single part of the of the business there's there's a playbook there's there's a number of steps that are being executed super fast super efficient and that kind of blows my mind mm. so I, i'd say that's the that's the number one takeaway and then the other thing is the entrepreneurial mindset mm. somebody during this event told me i think it was dan who runs this operation in uh, in, in australia he said an entrepreneur is somebody who puts other people to work to get things done. And that really resonated with me because it's so true. Like you're not supposed to really do a lot yourself, mm -hmm. right? And I think definitely one problem that I have, or I, I don't like to call things problems, so challenge. Mm -hmm. The challenge that I have is in order to grow, and in order to even grow this educational platform, get paid for your pad, you wanna outsource as much as you can 
hire people to do the things that they can do as well, or even if they can't do it as well, but 80%, somebody also said, hey, if you hire somebody who's 80% as good as you, you then have 180% of yourself to get things done, right? So that entrepreneurial mindset, not being the micromanager, but just outsourcing everything. So you have mind space to think about how can you grow and do the important things where only you can add the value, you know, the things that you can't outsource. Those are the two main takeaways. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome, guys. So um, we're going to have to finish this uh, up. So thank you so much, uh, Eric, first of all, for being an awesome partner in our first STR Legends Live. Thanks, Rebecca and Erica, for coming. You guys contributed a lot, provided amazing value. Thanks for sharing as well on the podcast. And uh, onwards to the next one. That's it, man. In about maybe four to six months. we'll We're, we're definitely doing another one in the next four to six months. I'm already looking forward. I'm excited to get to work on it. So thanks, guys. And uh, to the listener, thank you so much for uh, listening. And of course, you can go to getpaidforyourpet.com where you can now find all the show notes, links, all the information, and hope to see you next time. Boom. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.